Hello and welcome everyone to the fourth episode of Check and Story Podcast and this is your travel buddy Shruti. It's all about you telling your travel story to us and we displaying it out to the world of travel bugs. Our interviews with these inspiring world explorers will inspire you to travel further and make you want to take that backpack and hit the road. It's like an espresso shot of travel inspiration, feels and has for the traveler to you. Our today's guest, Sophia Segel, is a traveler and a writer. She has been traveling for a long while now. Her vagabondish travels got some structure when she started writing for the Lonely Planet guidebooks. She's authored and co-authored more than 25 books with them and other publications. She also writes for India's top magazines, newspapers, and websites and curates a travel column for Mint. Basically, the effort to create work around travel is forever on and one that she's succeeding fairly well at. Hope it stays for a long, long time. So let's welcome her on our show. Hi, Subriya. Hi, Shruti. Thank you so much for the introduction. Oh, you're welcome. We're so glad to have you on our show today. I'm so glad to be here. Okay, Thanks. cool. So tell me, what's it about travel that makes you so passionate about it? Uh, Shruti, so it's actually two things. One, I think, is the fact that, uh, you know, the excitement and the intrigue of an unknown destination. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other thing is about spending time with yourself. So both, to me, are very enriching experiences. And I guess I like my company. <laughs> so so that's one way. I mean, I explore the world and myself when I'm out of my travels. And that's the reason I'm a little passionate about it. Cool. That's awesome. So tell us about the books that you've authored, like how your travel experiences have influenced you to pen them down. Okay, so I've done um, three kinds of books. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is the Lonely Planet kind, which are the guidebooks. So you grab and go and you you know, you know get a gist of the places that you're going to be seeing. Then there are some that I've done for the Roli publications, which are about photographing women change makers in India. And uh, some amount of pocket guidebooks. There's one I've done on Rajasthan, on the most offbeat things ever in Jaipur, Udaipur, and Jodhpur. And uh, there's some that I've done in the development sector to do with education and women. And uh, where this comes from is the fact that I was in Bangalore for a long time and traveled on my own before I started writing. Really helped kind of structure and shape my books. So, for example, uh, Kerala for Lonely Planet, or The Best Weekend Getaways from Bangalore, or best escapes South India and the Temple Trails was something that I already done a lot on my own. So it helped me feed into the book when I was actually planning them. Uh, on the other kind of books, the one in the development sector and women, I, I think I'm inclined to issues like that of education, health and women. So I find it a very good fit when I'm out and about doing these. And yeah, that's about it for the books. That's great. I mean, I'm sure you must have had a lot of fun while writing them. I did. I was, I've been on the road for, you know, more than 300 days in a year for consecutively for three or four years. So it's very taxing, but it's very, very enriching and it's very satisfying. So That's I wouldn't change it for anything. That's maybe. cool. And besides, you love to travel, so I'm sure it must have been fun. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's stressful on the road. Your social life is kaput. You're not going back to friends anymore, all of that. But there's this new, such a rich variety of experiences that you wouldn't, you know, change it for anything else. Lovely, lovely. So your travel page on Facebook is called Tea for Travel. What was your <laughs> yeah. inspiration behind the name and the concept like? 
Okay, so clearly I'm a tea person more than a coffee person. Also, I find tea is uh, such a leveler when you're traveling. So, for example, if you're sitting somewhere and you ask a cup of tea on the road, you know, on a shanty, uh, you kind of become one with their environment very quickly. You know, you strike up a conversation, people are going to pay up for your chai. It happens a lot in Varanasi, for example. So, I like the fact that tea was such a binding experience for me when I was traveling. And, uh, of course, the play of words, you know, tea being the letter T and Okay, so I started off doing a lot of budget trips where I would take myself at, you know, 3,000 bucks and no more for X amount of days, etc., all of that. And India is such a vast scape of hotels and places to see and everything uh, from a public point of view, from public consumption is so compromised and cheap that it's very easy to stretch your money. For example, using public transportation over cabs. So being okay with trains and being okay with buses, I think that helps a lot to really stretch the dough. Uh, they're not being finicky about hotels. So if you don't want to be in plush places, but you're okay with a simple lodge, which is basically clean, and you lose sorted, I think that's great. And I think having a small and but adventurous appetite helps. So I don't really eat a lot on my travels, and that helps. But India gives you a very wide scape uh, to travel for on a budget, because a lot of the community, I mean, a lot of the Indian population, you know, lives in a certain sort of a compromised situation. And... Uh, Public, uh, public places, public parks, uh, places of interest are really, really cheap. So there's so much you can do with little money. That's great. I'm sure everyone who wants to travel to India might have got a lot of help from that. Cool. Yeah. Right. And about traveling abroad, of course, you have to be more cognizant on deals. You have to figure out that you get one task which makes you, you know, cover X amount of places. There's a lot more research that would go behind traveling abroad. Mm-hmm. But if you're specifically talking of India, I think it's one can go with the budget for a long long way so you have traveled so much i'm sure you must be having great stories like would you share one of those with us the best one with our listeners man that's a very difficult one because uh, every every journey has something you know quirky cool something fun something adventurous something daunting to go by i mean this is my favorite story and the one that i've written about a lot is when I, I think really, really initially when I was traveling, one of the first few times that I went to Humpy on my own, and I've traveled to Humpy ever since a lot, things were very different. It was uh, it was very cool. I stayed in a place which was 50 bucks per night, very clean, you know, again, coming back to the point of stretching your money. But it was very clean, and I was very happy. It was a lodge-like place. And at night, I was sleeping, and uh, I had this, my door was getting knocked down really loudly in the middle of the night. So I woke up and I, I wondered what was happening. I didn't want to open the door, of course, because it was the middle of the night. And there were these cops there. And they were drunk. And they said, Darwaza Kholo, open the door and uh, we know you have drugs. So I'm like, really? I mean, really, I'm a chit of a woman. Why would I be carrying drugs on my own? <laughs> so I kind of, uh, I said, no, sir, there's no drugs. And uh, I think you've got the wrong person, etc. But I didn't know that this is a bit of a, you know, a thing that they do with everyone to intimidate people and get money out of them. Except the scary part was that they were drunk and I didn't want to kind of face them and, you know, have a reasonable chat. There was no opportunity for a reasonable chat. And I just shut the door. I pushed my bed against the door. 
I came back to the window, showed them my ID with the torch because there was no electricity and said, listen, this is my number. This is my home number. This is where I work. And you've clearly got the wrong guy. And then they wouldn't back down. They just kind of, you know, they were, they were hectoring me all this while. And then I just screamed. And I screamed and screamed, really. And I, and I really can't scream that loud. I really did scream. And I called for the woman who, had, who was the owner of the lodge. And she happened to arrive only after 20 or 30 minutes of all this very sweaty screaming and fighting with those guys. And uh, that's when I realized that they had come to actually just kind of come and swindle money out of her or me or somebody. And she managed to shoo them away. But that was kind of strange and interesting and something for me to go back to and say, okay, you've got to be really aware and cognizant and not be dumb enough to get, you know, hassled by cops, especially because they're a figure of authority to not really listen. So anyway, yeah, that was a fun story. You know, when I was a bit of a drug lord in, in Hampi. <laughs> That's, that was very interesting. I'm sure what you must have gone through. I mean, I can't even imagine now. So cool. So uh, we were talking about travel blogging. So when did yeah. you start travel blogging? So Shruti, I'm not much of a blogger, frankly. Mm-hmm. I started traveling in 2004. It's been quite a bit. And I never used to record what I was doing. I had pictures only with a really small camera of my feet everywhere, like most people do. And I didn't really record my writing anyway. It was in bits of paper, scraps here and there. So I didn't really blog it out. And I wish I had then recorded all of that. I started writing more formally, um, uh, you know, post-2009, where I had, uh, when I started sort of scouting for work, for travel. And I actually write more than I blog. So blogging is really not my forte. I do have a blog on my website, but I, it's like more like a behind the scenes action kind of, you know, blog for my own, for my own self. Great. So when are you planning your next trip? Where are you planning it? So more like where, when is a bit of an issue, but uh, <laughs> I want to go to Nepal next okay. because I haven't done that. It's really around the corner. It's economical. And it's, I think it's, this is really the time that they need to be written about. I think it will help to write about traveling to Nepal at the moment. And I've always wanted to see Bhaktpur and Bhaktpur got quite the beating during the earthquake and I'm quite paranoid that if another earthquake hit it, it would actually demolish and I want to see it before that. So Nepal is on my list immediately at the moment. Great. We hope you go to Nepal soon. Thank you so much. Since we're talking about travel, so what is your take on female solo travel? Hmm. So, (laughs) okay, we have a pet peeve there about solo, female and the whole branding of it. Uh I think it's a great idea that women are traveling and choosing to travel alone. And I understand the challenges, I understand the hitch. But without the glamour of traveling alone as a female or male or whatever, I know it's tough, it takes gumption. And I actually really admire people who can do it. So one should like their own company first to be able to travel and that says a lot about them. So I'm very thrilled that a lot of people are taking the courage to travel and being out there. And as a woman, I really feel like there are very few women in the public space. You hardly see people loitering. You you not see women loitering around or standing at a corner of a road, etc. And in a way, it kind of claims public space and public mind, which I think is a very slow but very definitive progress towards claiming space as women, especially in India. So to me, it's a great, great opportunity for a more sort of poignant thing like that, but not so much of travel because that's anybody, it's glamorous for anyone. So yeah, that's what I think about it. Yeah. That's, that's great, actually. I totally do agree when you said that, you know, you should like your own company to travel solo, be it female or male. So cool. So yeah. since we're talking about travel, so I'm sure like travel and food, they, you know, go hand in hand. So yes. are you a foodie, Supriya? 
I am so not a foodie and I hate saying this, but I just, I'm not one for food. Oh my God, okay. I'm very experimental. I'd love to have a lot of variety of things. I really appreciate all of that, but I cannot have quantity. So it doesn't excite me to go to a food destination. In fact, now that we were talking, I was just writing about trying out snake for the first time in Taiwan. So yeah, I'm adventurous, but well, well, no foodie in the real sense. Okay, so which is, uh, since you're not a foodie, but I'm sure you must be having a favorite cuisine from somewhere, which is that? Mm, I don't know, I really like Southeast Asian food because it has a lot of variety and I love, it's, it's got very subtle flavors, so that's my kind of food. I love, and I've just turned wedge, but when I was non-wedge, I loved gamey food, so Canada was great to have different kinds of, you know, different reindeer, etc., all of that. I loved all of that, so it's more experimenting than cuisine. But to really, if I had to peg my favorite, it would be Southeast Asian food in general. Cool. Nice. So, which is the place at the top of, top of your wish list right now and why? Oh, God. This has been there for more than, I think, 10 years now. So, I've been wanting to go to Mongolia for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the, the whole intrigue of it being very unexplored is something that appeals to me. But I haven't done anything about it. So, yeah, Mongolia is still on my list for many years. So that's, that's my wish list. That's great. We hope it gets ticked off very soon. Thank you so much. (laughs) You're welcome. So, uh, travel and airports are very closely related. So, do you have any sort of airport story out there? Uh, So, I don't have a very, um, I don't know, not very exciting story or an adventurous one, but... uh, I have left my passport around <laughs> somewhere and walked around for four hours here and there, trawling the place. This was, I think, something, I think it was a Bangkok airport. And uh, then I suddenly realized closer to my flight that I'd, I couldn't find my passport. And then I just made a dash. I was running like a mad woman across the Sukhumvit airport. I mean, sorry, across the Bangkok airport. And that must have been quite a sight. So, yeah, I lost a couple of kgs there, but finally found it. We had given it to the, to the help desk. So... Yeah, I mean, I'm mean, not really exciting story there, but something you kind of show your passport for, uh, you know, to buy something on the uh, on the duty free thing. Uh-huh. But I don't know where I had left it. I just I was, yeah, that that is quite a trek and a quite a run over there for about half an hour. But <laughs> good that you found it at the end. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cool. Oh my God, this is interesting and I loved your stories. Thank you so much for talking to us, Supriya. It was fun. Thanks so much, Shruti. Thanks a lot. And uh, thank you so much because I love the idea that you guys are doing this, Second Story is doing this. Uh, I mean, you know, we can't ignore the fact that we're all online more than meeting physically. So this is a great way to chat up. It's a great way to share stories. And I'll be really looking forward to what you have next in store on the channel. That was so nice of you. Thank you, Supriya. Thank you so much. Have thank you, Shruti. Day. Travel Buddies, thanks for listening to our podcast. Check It Story will be back again with yet another exciting episode. This is Shruti signing off. Until then, keep traveling and keep sharing those travel stories. And hey, wait, don't forget to subscribe to Check In Story podcast on SoundCloud.